At the conclusion of Revelation, Jesus will judge the living and the dead. Our decision today will have a direct impact on the condition of our life and soul for all of eternity. A startling and recent survey of the church reveals that out of 87% of believers in Jesus, only 74% believed in heaven, and yet even more astonishing is only 59% ascribed to the teachings of Jesus on hell. Same Bible, same Jesus, same words, but clearly people are picking and choosing what they want rather than the truth as revealed by this same Jesus. Join us now as we complete the book of Revelation's closing chapters on decision time, heaven or hell. I am Mark Russick and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Good day everyone. Hi, this is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Thanks for joining. Today we are at the final chapter of an overall series that I've called The Certainty of the Second Coming of Jesus, where we've looked at not only what does the Bible have to say, but also some of the things that have been revealed uh, that prophetically that were written thousands of years ago that have come to pass. Uh, We've looked at the modern day geopolitical stage and of particular importance over the past, uh, I don't know, four, five, six broadcasts. We've really dug into the book of Revelation, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to close with the book of Revelation, but I've titled this Decision Time, Heaven or Hell, because ultimately that's that's really what it's about, and although this can be a somber subject, um, some people may consider this a little bit presumptuous, the fact that uh, I can sit here behind my microphone and, and point to what the scripture has to say and what my own belief system is that our decisions will impact where we go uh, or where we're destined for in eternity. So we're going to unravel that. I'm going to approach this a little bit differently today. We are going to conclude with what Revelation has to say, but I I wanted to see or I wanted to look into uh, some other things in Scripture uh, of what it has to say about heaven and hell, as well as I'm going to take some outside sources and I'm going to even point to a former atheist uh, who quickly became a believer, a a medical cardiologist, uh, based upon uh, things that he saw with his patients who had, uh, you know, death experiences. And so we'll we'll get into that. And and as I said, it, it can be a somber subject, but it can also be a wonderful subject. What do I mean by that? Well, I think many people have this uh, view of of heaven and eternity of of kind of like we're just floating around and the the angelic music is playing and everything's wonderful and and everything will be great and everything will be wonderful uh, if if you are on the right side of eternity if you're on the right side of heaven um, but the Bible has a lot to say and Jesus has a lot to say about uh, not only heaven as we know it, but there's going to be heaven on earth with the millennium. We covered, we talked a lot about the millennium in in the last broadcast, and we're going to delve a little bit uh, into what happens at the close of the millennium because there are very specific scriptures. Jesus himself detailed some things out there that may take you by surprise, that you you may have seen these scriptures and you may know and, and you may not. And you know, typical of, of of many times that I've looked at the Bible, I've I've, you know, I've read some things time and time again, and all of a sudden, you know, it could be a couple of years later, I look at it and I'm like, 
wait a minute, was that there last year? I, I read that scripture before and I didn't see that. Or, you know, maybe I'll accuse the Lord of interjecting that, you know, when I wasn't looking. Uh, because there is just such a vast, deep uh, well of, of wisdom and beauty and joy that are, that are in his words. So I'm going to do my best to kind of direct uh, the signpost that you see in front of you if you are looking on video where I've got a signpost one way to hell and one way to heaven, and as well as with a stop sign because it is decision time because ultimately Jesus comes and, and when he arrives, the decision has been made. When he comes for the second coming and he arrives on the earth, uh, decisions have been made. There, there's no turning back at that point. So I've got the, the hand up on video to stop. I hope you'll pause and think if you don't know where you're going or if, or if you question possibly the validity of Scripture or the reality of Jesus or the reality of, of a life after death that maybe you know, you'll pause and think or at least hear what I have to say and, and maybe look into some things on your own. Uh, because, you know, as I said, Jesus paid the ultimate price for us to share eternity with him. And, and you know, it's just so precious. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this. If you, if you do like subjects like this, if you like the approach that we're taking, I would ask you to please hit the like button and the subscribe so that that bell goes off and, and you get alerts when, when new posts come out. We're, we're trying to get it out there pretty consistently. I, you know, I would say over the past couple of months, we've been very consistent with every Tuesday and Friday getting uh, uh, new postings out or new broadcasts out and doing our best to get the information to you in a timely manner. Uh, so if you could hit the like or subscribe button. And also, if you wouldn't mind, please jump on our email list. You can do so by getting on the RussickOutlook.com and just signing up. We don't do anything with it other than alert you to when new subjects or, or, or uh, postings come out or news comes out. So on that note, uh, I'd like to jump to uh, the first step of this. So again, if, if you are looking if, if on, on video, I've got some things laid out of what happens to people who have died in the past uh, and where they are now and what would happen if you were to die today. This is based upon my belief in, in, the, in, in the absolute firmness of, of, of truth that is embedded in the Word of God. So I will just stay that, say that up front, uh, unashamed, unabashedly. There's just been, you know, if, if, if you take away or if I take away my personal relationship and my personal experiences and I just put my intellectual cap on, there are so many things that, that defy any type of mathematical plausibility uh, or, or logic that can, that can justify the, the uh, fulfillment of prophecies that were written hundreds and thousands of years before the events actually happened. Uh, and, and that alone just, you know, w would point to the truth of, of, of the wisdom of, of, of Scripture. So I just want to say that the things I'm about to cover on this page is based upon that truth. So that's what I have highlighted in the middle. So where you are, and, and so I've got this little lower, uh, um, a bad drawing too. Uh, art was not in in my genes as far as drawing or artwork, but I do my best. I, I do okay with putting the PowerPoints together anyway. I'd like to hope so. At any rate, so I point to the cross, and um, below there is what's called Sheol or Hades. And 
you know, so many times the Bible interprets uh, this as being hell. I mean, hell, especially if you're in the King James, um, there are, there are, it's in Old Testament in in particular, uh, it's referred to as Sheol um, and and, in many translations as Hades. So this is a part of the earth. And I'm going to reference this through uh, Luke 16, 19 through 31. I've covered this before. It's where Jesus talks about Lazarus being dead and, you know, his afflictions and the rich man going into uh, dying at the same time. And they're at the two different sides of eternity. So I've got this pictured as what's called the Great Gulf, where you have, I'm, I'm pointing to a tree on one side, what I'll call the paradise in Sheol and Hades, and the fire on the other side, the utter, utter, utter torment. And that's where you would go before Jesus arrived on the scene, that you were destined for Sheol, Hades, and you were either on the one side of paradise or on the other side of a, of, of a torment. Not necessarily hell as, as we know it, uh, and, and we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. I'm going to give you some references towards this. Uh, Old Testament references. Proverbs 9.18 says, A place where the dead exist. Psalm 86.13, a place for the soul. Psalm 9.17, a place for the wicked and those who forget God. So they would be on the side of torment. Flip it around, Genesis 44.29, a godly Jacob is expected to go there. Psalm 88.3, David expects to go there. And Psalm 89.48, all men will go to Sheol. So you, you will go there. It's, it's which side of it that you're on. And, and again, if you look at what Jesus described, and it's not a parable, 16, 19 through 31, uh, where they can see across the gulf. So if, you know, you can see someone in torment or you can see someone uh, in a type of paradise. So that's where you would go prior to the, uh, to the uh, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. There's also a point of, of what's called in a lower, lower depths. This is in the earth. I should have said that. I apologize. But in a lower part of the earth, what's called the abyss or Tartarus. And that is where your fallen angels are. That's where the, the many of the uh, who rebelled with Satan have been cast down there. These are the ones you go back to Genesis 6. Uh, and I'll, I'll be covering that down the road. But there's an assembly of, of, of fallen angels in this place. And I can, you can reference this from Jude 6 and 2 Peter 2, 4. I've covered a lot of this before. If you haven't heard this, uh, I did a series called, uh, what ha- or I, it was about the three days, I forget the exact title. Uh, it was a couple of them, but it was about where was Jesus for the three days between crucifixion and resurrection. And, and scripture has a lot to say about it. And he went down to paradise and, you know, many people know the scripture of, of the man who received him at the cross, the criminal. And, in, and Jesus said, truly today I will be, you will be with me in paradise. That's Luke 23, 43. So there you have Sheol, Hades, that, the abyss and Tartarus. And then if you're following me on video, that's where Jesus went. And then the arrow's pointing and then he ascends. And before he ascends to heaven, he stops and uh, he, he, he sees Mary and, and many people know that encounter. Uh, but the, the one thing that I pointed out here, and, and uh, again, that's in that three-day series that I did, do not hold me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. So in other words, Jesus needed to present himself to the Father uh, 
uh, untouched by human hands, un- untouched by sin, as the perfect sacrifice, and that's where the blood of the lamb is is deposited in the mercy seat. So that gives you, you know, the the the, the rough uh, uh, abridged version of of what happened there. But the, you know, my my point here is before the crucifixion, that's where you went. If you die today and you know Jesus, you go to the Father, uh, and. and um, uh, you know, to be absent, I'm sorry, the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you're immediately taken to be with the Lord. Your, your body is in the ground, but your spirit ascends into heaven. Um, then, uh, uh I'm, I'm going to read if, if you follow me, if you go up to heaven, uh, and second Corinthians five, eight, Paul says, we are confident, I say, and we and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Uh, paradise in heaven today, 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4. This is Paul speaking. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. So whether he's talking about somebody else or himself, it's not 100% clear, and I've heard both, both sides of it. But it says, whether it, was not, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Again, so he refers to this as paradise. So this paradise is now in heaven. So if you're with, if you, if, if you know the Lord, that's where you go. If you don't, if you die today, you go to Sheol slash Hades, depending upon the, 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 the translation, but that's where you go. So you're on the wrong side, uh, of eternity, but you're in that place called Sheol and Hades. Then there is a place that ultimately is what most people know as hell, which is the lake of fire. It's called Gehenna, the permanent place of the dead. I give you the references of Matthew 25, uh, Revelation 19, and Revelation 20 here. Finally, I'm just going to close with what Revelation says. Uh, This is John. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. So this is Jesus, he's conquered death. Um, and, and this is you know what, what, what John saw and this was the revelation that, got, that John received in, in the first chapter uh, of, of Revelation. So I kind of set the stage for what happens it, you know, if you die today, because this will ultimately lead to the decisions or the verdicts that are rendered uh, as we move through this in Revelation. So I just wanted to pause for a second for those who may be questioning. Jesus says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. Second Corinthians five twenty one. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. So because of our decision, if you are a disciple or a believer in Jesus Christ, we stand before the judgment seat of Christ because God clothed us in his righteousness. And this is the greatest mystery of, of all, of everything in the Bible. The, the mystery of salvation, it, to me, without question, is, is the greatest mystery. Um, Jesus is the only one in history who, by his sinless life, was personally qualified to enter heaven because of his obedience and righteousness. 
The mystery of salvation is that he loved us so much that he chose to die on the cross to purchase our salvation. It is the ultimate indescribable act of mercy. It is the innocent righteousness of Jesus placed into our account with God. In a mystery beyond our human understanding, Jesus Christ somehow becomes sin for us. He literally, this is the Son of God, stepped out of heaven into the earth and became sin. By accepting his sacrificial gift through faith in him, we become the righteousness of Christ and qualify to enter into heaven. Not by anything that we've done, only by our choice. Only those that are pure and holy can enter into heaven. That's important in in the next slide and you'll see why. When we accept Christ's sacrifice on the cross as payment of our sinful rebellion, the innocence and the holiness is placed in our account before God that he no longer sees our rebellion, but rather the righteousness of his holy son. So it, it I mean, I mean that, that, that's it right there. Everything's done. So let me jump now to would God let good people into heaven? Because I, I needed to lay that foundation because so many people would like to say that and so many people believe that. They want to see God on their terms. Well, God wouldn't do this because God this and that. Uh, they let their ego get in the way of what they think in our human limited mind. I'll, I'll, I'll be generous. Um, and, and that's not what the Lord has, has said. So let me, let, me, let me play devil's advocate for lack of a better term. If God is truly a God of love, he will let the good people into heaven despite their lifelong rejection of him and Christ's gift of salvation. You, you hear that. You know, you hear that all the time. I've, I've personally experienced that. I've personally had conversations with people who are incredibly close to me. That's what they believed. Consider if God allowed sinners who refused to repent of their sins enter into eternity or enter into heaven, he would deny his nature as a just and holy God. In other words, he cannot go against his own word. He cannot go against his own sacrifice. If he admitted unrepentant sinners into heaven, that would transform paradise into an annex of hell. There's just no other way to put it. Um, I mean, those are strong words, but I'm sorry. That's, that's the truth. If an unrepentant soul were allowed into heaven, the sinfulness would destroy the holiness of heaven. The cleansing of our souls requires the spiritual application of the blood of Christ to our hearts to prepare us to live in a holy heaven. I'm going to read John 3.18 here. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Jesus has come. People love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You see it around the world today. You know, they prefer to live in the moment. They they can't see beyond, you know, their own daily enjoyment, I'll call it. It goes on to say, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So, it, it, you know, it's very clear, and, and this may strike some people wrong, but it, I'm, I, there, there just isn't a way around it. 
you, God would be a liar if he would allow a, an unbeliever into heaven, regardless of how good you think that person is. It's, it's just that simple. And, and God can't lie. Well, the Lord can't lie. So I'm going to delve into hell. And, and it's, not a, it's not an endearing subject to me by any means, but I am, I am somewhat motivated by the fact that Jesus was motivated to talk about hell. He, he talked more about hell than he did about heaven. How's that? Uh, hell specifically is mentioned 32 times, and it's referenced 162 times. We talked about Hades and Sheol and Tartarus and Gehenna and the Lake of Fire. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I have the definitions here, you know, on video if you like. By far, the majority of scriptural teaching on hell comes from Jesus. Jesus taught more on hell than anything else. Seventy times he referenced this. Jesus' ministry warns about hell. And, and you know, people would say, how is that love? Well, I would say that's the ultimate act of love. To warn you about something that, that you're about to jump off a cliff or take a foot off a cliff into your death, uh, and Jesus is warning you about it. Um, Matthew ten twenty eight is Jesus' words. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, Psalm 9.17, go to the Old Testament now. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Daniel 12.2, another one from, from the Old Testament. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and an everlasting contempt. Let me give you some of Jesus' own words and descriptions about hell. Seven times he talked about weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me just pause for a second. You know, you, you, you hear that a lot, and, and just, I'm, I'm going to put it this way. If you're on a construction site, and you take a, a hammer, and you bash it as hard as you can, and you wind up missing, and you hit your hand, you know, what do you do? You, you grit your teeth, you're like, Arr! that's weeping, and, uh, or maybe it is weeping. Maybe you are crying, maybe, but it's gnashing of teeth. It's that, um, we also see that same example when the people were that angry when they saw Stephen, when he was stoned to death. And it says there that they were gnashing of teeth, that they had that, uh, that, 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 that anger in them because they were being convicted. Um, Jesus, again, these are words that he uses to describe hell. The fire is not quenched. The worm never dies. It's an outer darkness. It's a place where one is tormented by flames and past memories. That's another thing. If you go to, uh, to the account of, of, of Luke when we talked about uh, Lazarus and, and the rich man, uh, you know, he was tormented. He knew about things of his past. He knew about his family. He was trying to get the word out to save his family. And he, Jesus, again, saying that there's that great gulf between hell and paradise. So again, these are Jesus's words, Jesus's warnings, Jesus's descriptions. I'm going to switch gears for a second to a, uh, a book called Beyond Death's Door. Uh, Maurice Rawlings is an MD. Uh, this is a huge bestseller. Uh, I believe it came out in the 70s, might have been the 80s. Um, but he, he was a former atheist. And he became a believer. How? Because he witnesses uh, so many near-death experiences or real-death experiences from 300 different patients. Uh, so I'm going to read you his uh, um, comment. This is, is, this is 
uh, Maurice Rawlings. I'm thoroughly convinced there is life after death and that there are at least as many going to hell as there are going to heaven. I'm convinced there is a hell and that we must conduct ourselves in such a way as to avoid being sent there at all costs. So the way he came to, uh, to, to be saved, ironically, was he had a mailman die in his office, a 48-year-old man, and he all of a sudden came back and he's freaking out and he's sweating and you know convulsing and he says, I'm in hell, I'm in hell, please pray for me, asking Maurice Rawlings, an atheist, to pray for him. So what happened was Maurice, I guess, was at that point, and he prayed. So here you have this atheist praying for a man. So two people who did not know the Lord, it wound up being a double conversion uh, to come to Jesus. So, you know, this is, this is an outside example. It has nothing to do with the Bible, but this is a real-life, modern-day account of, of, a, of a professional, of an intellectual, of a, a, obviously a studied and learned man, uh, highly educated, very successful cardiologist, and this is how he became convinced. Now, I wanted to bring out something that I find personally alarming. 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 Pew uh, Forum study. 87% of the people in this country, in America, I'm sorry, where I'm from, believe in God. But only 74% believe in heaven. I'm not sure how you get that. And then it goes down to 59% believe in hell. When you start talking about eternity and start talking about heaven and hell to people, they get very uncomfortable um, because how dare you, um, uh, you know, claim to know that, you know, what is going to happen beyond death's door. Listen, we all die. We're, you know, that's the one thing we're all certain of. So if you're listening to me now, you know you're going to die at some point. So it, it's really about what happens after death. So and and I would go on to say that if hell is not real, then there was absolutely no no need at all for the crucifixion and the resurrection. You can just toss it all aside. There was just no need for it. So I'm going to close this section about hell uh, real quick. Uh, I'm I'm going to read from Revelation, and it says, "And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur." where the beast and the false prophet had been, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So this is, if, if, you've, uh, if you caught the previous broadcast, you know that the beast and the false prophet were thrown there for a thousand years. The devil is in the abyss. He's then put into, this is the final resting place for him. Uh, it goes on to say, with the judgment of the dead, in Revelation, and I saw the dead, and if you're following me, I've got this highlighted on video. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what had done as recorded in these books. There is a book that is written uh, about you, Every everything you ever wanted to know. Now, consider that the Lord is omniscient. He's everywhere at all times. We don't understand it, or I don't necessarily understand it, but I've come to accept it. And he is the ultimate judge because he's seen and knows all things. And it goes on to say that the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. So where I showed you earlier, where, where, where Sheol and Hades, where those people are, will eventually at the end, at the, and you'll see this at the great white throne judgment, be cast into the lake of fire. It goes on to say, verse 15, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Sheep and goats, we, we discussed this last time. This is where Jesus separates 
the sheep from the goats. We we went through this, but I just wanted to highlight two scriptures here. The the overall uh, um, uh, description is in twenty five thirty one through forty six. But I'm going to just give you uh, verse forty one. Then he will say to those on the left, "Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire." prepared for the devil and his angels. This is so important. Hell is created by God and it is prepared for the devil and his angels. It was not made for man, but man taking sin into his own hands and being, you know, his own God, I guess. uh, That's ultimately where you'll wind up. Uh, Verse 46, then they, they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Again, he's making it very clear-cut, your choice. Five facts on hell. It is an actual place. It's real. It's an intentional place. Prepare for the devil and his angels, like I just said. It is a painful place. I'll remind you of the words of Jesus. There is fire. There is punishment. There is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is an eternal place. How offensive sin is to a perfectly holy God. Sin is so bad that he put his son on the cross to suffer the darkness and the pain of the cross. That's how bad sin is in the eyes of a holy God. So, but that's why hell is there. And the last, I would say, it is an avoidable place. It is your choice where we say that the sheep are separated, the goats from the sheep. They're based on choices that we make. You To get into this family, you have to be born into it, but it's your decision. So, you know, just realize that If you haven't made that choice yet, if you were to die tomorrow, at the moment of death, a person is aware they can feel torment, pain, shame, failure, regret, remorse. I don't mean a harp. Well, I do mean a harp on these things, and it's uncomfortable, and I I get it, especially if you don't know the Lord, which is why I'm, I'm kind of imploring you to take these things for real. So at the end of Revelation, there is the great white throne judgment, which is the end of the millennium. This is where all decisions are made. Uh, for the, it says in John 5.22, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Jesus is the ultimate judge. Um, and, and then I give you a little graph here showing you whether you're written into the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, uh, the book of works is there. And depending upon if you're in the book of life or not, you're cast into the lake of fire. And it also says that's where Sheol and Hades is. So that's the ultimate destination for people who have died previously uh, in that same place where it is the prison of fallen angels. Those, there, and, and every, Everyone eventually is put into the lake of fire if you do not know the Lord. Um, judgment before the great throne. Verse 12, I'm reading on the right. Uh, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged. The sea is often refers to nations. And, uh, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Satan's final exit is just that. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the burning, the lake of burning sulfur, 
where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown, they will be tormented day and night forever. It's what I just read previously, but it's it's worth bringing up again. So, you know, uh, let, let me let me just say this too, that if if you look at Hollywood today, you know they they kind of have this warped presentation of the devil running hell. Nothing could be further from the truth. You just read it. Satan is tormented, tortured, you know, with, with, with everyone there. He does not run hell. Uh, he wants to see as many as he can come with him. Uh, and ultimately, he's trying to get the word of God to, to be proven false, which we know it will never be. But he does not run hell. He will be tortured and tormented for all of eternity. And so will you if you do not make the right choice. So I'm going to break down some things for you. Um, if you, if you're hopefully, if you can, if you follow me on, on video for this one, the Church Age, which is where we are right now, we've talked about the Rapture. Um, I for, personally believe it will happen before the Tribulation, given many reasons why in the past. During this time, you uh, people who were there will be brought before the judgment seat of Christ for their rewards. It's not a bad thing, like, like you're taking to the principal's office. Uh, it's the Bema seat of Christ where you get your rewards, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then we come back, uh, I'm sorry, and then the first resurrection, let me read this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. The dead in Christ will rise first. So we're talking about the, the tribulation. I'm sorry, the rapture. Corruptible ashes of their dead bodies are made incorruptible, joining together with their spirits, which Jesus brings with him. So Jesus comes with the spirits of, of, of the Old Testament believers, of, of, of people who were there before him, and their bodies, and they receive their heavenly body. So, And then immediately thereafter comes the rapture of the church, where we're taken up because we have not yet tasted death. At least, you know, that, that's the expectation. So I'm hoping that I am raptured before dying, but one never knows. Uh, there are multiple resurrections that will take place. Uh, so I've given you that example. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruit of many to be raised. You can find this in Romans 6, 1 Corinthians 15, Colossians 1, Revelation 1. So now we're going to come to the coming resolutions, uh, <laughs> resurrections, I'm sorry, uh, and during the thousand-year reign by Jesus. So we know we've talked about Jesus' second coming, which was at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, entering into the millennium. We've talked about that, the judgment of nations. Then at the end of the thousand years, you have the great white throne judgment, which is what we just talked about, and then you enter into a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to close with everything of, of what that means, which is awesome, by the way. Um, so the coming resurrections, the resurrection of the redeemed at Christ's coming, Daniel 12, Luke 14, John 5, 1 Thessalonians 4, Revelation 20. So there is the, re here's your order, the resurrection of the church at the rapture, that's your first one. The resurrection of the Old Testament believers at the second coming, those are Jews and Gentiles. At the same time, you have the resurrection of the martyr tribulation saints. Remember, many will die during the tribulation who have accepted Jesus. They will be resurrected at this time too. Then you will also have resurrection of millennial believers at the end of the millennium. And you're going to say, well, what, how does that happen? 
Remember, many people will enter into the millennium, will have never tasted death. They will be coming out of the tribulation, and many people will be born during the during the uh, millennium. And in that time, people will die. Uh, if you don't want to die, if you're under a hundred, because that means you don't know the Lord, uh, there'll be long life, longevity. But people who have um, I, I actually it doesn't say it says long life, so I don't know how many years it may say it in there. I'm not I'm not aware of it, but let's say hundreds of years, so you know three, four, five hundred years. But you would die during the millennium. You would be resurrected at the end uh, of of the millennium. So that's your your order of resurrections, um, and it may sound well. How you know? It, I guess you can look at this and go, "That's crazy," but that's really what the Bible says, and. And I gave you the, the scriptures that will back that up, that you can look that up. So let's talk about what this actually means with heaven, because I believe this is something that most people, regardless of how long you've been with the Lord, you may have not considered. There are phases of heaven, just as you have your phases or degrees of human life, and from that gestation in, in, in the womb to coming out as an infant to a toddler to a young boy or girl to, a, uh, to an adult to middle-aged adult to an, an, an elderly person. There's all those different phases of life. Well, you have phases of heaven. Um, there's the phase where it's immediately after death. Your body is in the ground, but you're immediately transferred to be with the Lord. We, we read it earlier. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5.8. Then you have the rapture of the church, which we've covered. So that's another phase of heaven, where you're, you're, in, you're in heaven and, and you're, you're assembled with so many people who you may know and many that you don't know, and you're going to get to know. Then there is the Bema Seat of Christ. We talked about the rewards into the marriage supper of the Lamb. So this is, I'm giving you a one, two, three, because I'm going to lay out three different stages or three different actual heavens. Uh, and I should have mentioned earlier, because I talked about how hell is mentioned so much. Heaven is referenced 532 times in the Bible, and heavens, plural, another 171. So a little over 700 times the Bible speaks about heaven. Um then we enter into um, the marriage supper of the Lamb, I'm sorry, and we come back with Jesus uh, at the second coming. We enter into the millennial kingdom age. That's the new heaven where Jesus brings heaven on earth and where heaven gets a makeover. Uh, and, and we, you know, I've, I've discussed this before, tamed animals, perpetual health, a beautiful biosphere, world, pe- world peace. There will be world peace and, uh, and longevity. And then finally, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And many times people concentrate, my words will never pass away. But they don't talk about heaven and earth. Pass. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away. So if he's saying it, then we're going to see the end of heaven and earth as we know it. So what do I mean by that? There will be a new heaven and a new earth. I'm going to put my scientific cap on just for a second. There's something called the steady state theory that was the prevailing consensus among cosmologists, meaning the study of the heavens uh, and space and and, and astronomy. Um, And for the past hundred years or so, they believed that the sun was in a steady state. 
It wasn't until technology allowed us to really understand that the sun's radiation is produced by the elimination of its mass. So in other words, it's kind of eating itself up, if you will. Check this statistic out. 4,200,000 tons of mass is burned up per second. So this is how the energy is consumed and given off. This is how we get our light and our energy. But what it also means is the sun is running down. It means it had a beginning and it will have an end. So as much as we would like to point out the fact that, you know, that, that, or think that the sun and everything around it is going to be around forever, it's not. It, 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 it's that simple. God will destroy heaven and earth. Why? Because it has been polluted with sin. And you say, well, how can heaven be polluted with sin? Satan polluted heaven with his sin. And there's just no way around it. When he rebelled, that brought sin into heaven. And Revelation 21, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Second Peter 3.10, The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Isaiah 66.22, For as the new heavens and the new earth which will I, which I will make, shall remain before me. I will make new heavens and a new earth. Is 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 what Isaiah is saying? What the Lord revealed to him. Second Peter three thirteen. Look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So it's very clear throughout Scripture that there will be a new heaven and a new earth as we enter into eternity. Uh, with with the passing away at the end of the millennium into this new heaven and new earth. And what do we know about it? Well, there are some things that we know about it. It will feel very, very unfamiliar. So this is the one scripture that I will jump to in Revelation where it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And also there was no more sea. So that's pretty startling. There's going to be no oceans. And, you know, look around the world today. I mean, I love the beach. I live by the beach. I'm, I'm out here in the Northeast near the Atlantic Ocean. I love it. Uh, so it won't be a water-based environment. Uh, and consider that three-quarters of the earth is ocean. 90% of your blood is water. 70% of your body is water. So it kind of indicates that we will probably not have a carbon-based environment. And remember, we're going to be in these new, beautiful, heavenly, glorified bodies. But water will be there because it says in verse 22, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. I'm sorry, Revelation 21. And here's some other things to think about. Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. His servants shall show him, serve him, I'm sorry. They shall see his face, his name shall be on their foreheads. There will be no night there. They need no lamp or no light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light. There is no shadow, there is no there is no. There's no night. There's no, you know, I, I'm, I'm in here now in my little uh, small uh, project studio and I've got my lamps on because it's, it's, it's getting dark out. It is dark out. Um, and it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. 
There's going to be no more death. There's no sorrow, no crying. There'll be no pain. And for the former things have passed away. Then he sat on the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are true and faithful. So God is is, is making all things new. It, it's it's everything that we're going to think of, of what heaven will be like. It's going to be a new phase, another phase. So, you know, if, if the Lord were to come, or if the rapture of the church would happen tomorrow, seven years later, would be the, the beginning uh, uh, where we're going to enter into the millennium and a thousand years after that, the heaven and earth will pass away and we'll enter into eternity. So there's a lot of things going on in, in, in heaven. There will be a new capital city. Uh, there will, it's called the New Jerusalem. And, and John says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. <clears throat> the city is laid out as a square, its length as great as its breadth. He measured the city with the, with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. That's 1,500 miles. So that's roughly Maine to Florida. Uh, that's how long, how high, and how wide. It's a perfect cube, so its length, breadth, and height are equal. Interestingly enough, the tabernacle of God in the Old Testament, in the Holy of Holies, in that inner sanctuary, was a perfect cube. It was 15 by 15 by 15. This new heaven will be 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500 miles. So the streets are horizontal and vertical. How does that mean we are travel, get to know each other, get to visit each other? Think about Jesus, uh, you know, uh, w- w- at the resurrection, how he just kind of appeared between walls and, you know, miraculously, you know, 40 miles away one minute, then then back another minute. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the scriptures, but you get the idea. So I don't know what that means, but it means, you know, it could mean something like that for us as we travel at that time. So there are some wonderful, glorious things that await for those who know the Lord uh, there's so many new and exciting and, you know, just just tremendous different aspects of what we can expect once we're, w- once we're with the Lord. And there's going to be all these new things all the time because God makes all things new. Let me close with what I would say is somewhat sad. As beautiful and as wonderful as heaven will be, not everyone will be there. I'm going to read first Revelation 21. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God. He shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable abominable murderers, sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, the liars, they will have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is called the second death. Let me jump to verse 24. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, The kings of the earth will bring glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. They shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. There shall be no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there you have it. This is the close of Revelation. This is the close of what Jesus reveals to John. He's making it as plain and as simple as you can. And I'm going to read the words of Jesus first at the bottom, if you're following me here. Uh, Well, let me say the first thing, and I think I closed with this last time. What can a man give in return for his own soul? That's Mark 8, 37. 
So as, as much as we would like to think the things of this world in terms of money and career and finances and and, and family certainly important. It's it's it. But you know what what is the, what is your motivation? What is important to you? And you know the scripture is clear that Jesus knocks at the door of your heart. Will you answer? That's that's the question. In verse thirty eight, this is Jesus' own words. He says, "Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me." of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of, Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Like I said, when, when that point comes and Jesus returns to the earth, it's too late. It's, it's too late. Decisions have been made. And I'll close with 1 John 5, 4 through 5. Whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that he overcomes the world even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So maybe some preaching mixed in there, some reality, but I just wanted to lay it out that, uh, you know, that's ultimately what we're talking about. It is decision time if you haven't made up your mind. Um, And if you're still sitting on the fence, look into it, investigate it, seek the Lord. Um, Look for a church in your area, people who you may know or Christians, get, get their take. Get, you know, be hungry. Be hungry for information uh, because it's there and it's available to you if you so desire. So let me close by thanking you uh, for being with me on this small journey, which I've called the certainty of the second coming of Jesus. I've covered many different areas of it, but ultimately it comes down to truth and 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 Jesus is the truth. Uh and and that's my heart. That's really what I've always been about is what is the truth. And and I've kind of, you know, I I I I I've I I I've hit this a number of times. I don't want to I don't want to even use a poor expression on this. So at any rate, you know, this is my opinion, this is my take, this is my observations, these are my experiences. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I've, I've had the good fortune to know the Lord for <clears throat> the better part of my life. Um, I've, I've had that close encounter and personal relationship with him for the past 30 years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been the ride of my life and it's not always been easy, but it's been so worth it. You know, I've had my shares of ups and downs like everybody else. Um, but, Jesus has given me a peace that passes all understanding through any trials that I've had, and he's given me such wonderful, wonderful blessings in life that, you know, I, I can shout on the mountaintops uh, for for eternity for what he's done for me. So hopefully uh, you got some things out of it. Again, questions, comments, please email me, russickoutlook at gmail.com. Uh, and if you have a prayer request or or, you know, any concern, anything that I said you're not quite sure about, I'm I'm happy to uh, to respond any way, any which way I can. Uh, so you've been listening to the Rustic Outlook, and remember, as always, just my opinion. <laughs>